This is Kira, and this is the Candid Convos podcast. Today, I had a longtime friend of mine and my family's, Kristen, on, and this has been one of my favorite conversations thus far. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about human rights, we talked about mental health, um, we got to know Kristen and where she's been and where she's going. She is such a cool person, and I feel so honored to know her. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to follow to know when new ones come out, and as always, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Kristen, um, if you want to just give the podcast a little background of um, your name, I know you just got a new job and you just got out of school, so you can kind of tell a little bit about that. Um, you can talk about where you've lived um, and what you've done there and then where you are now. Yeah, um, so I grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, which is where we met kind of right yeah. in Kenosha area. Um, I lived there all my teenage kid years till I was 18. Um, then I moved to Indiana and went to undergrad at Indiana Wesleyan University um, with a degree in psychology. And I moved from there to Memphis, Tennessee, um, worked a couple different jobs when I was there. And then a couple years ago, moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, um, where I've been in grad school and just graduated with a master's of social work. And then in a month, I will be moving to um, the Grand Junction, Colorado area to start work as a mental health therapist at an equestrian center. So, yeah. Awesome. I love that. My mom just um, sort of like explained to me what that was. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. And yeah. that's really cool. I'm very excited for you. Um, are you are you excited? Do you feel like you're ready? Or is it like a, are you scared? What are you feeling about it? Yeah, um, I think it's a lot of, a lot of mixed feelings. I'm definitely, I feel yeah. ready for it. I feel like it's where I'm supposed to be. Um, but it's also just terrifying to move somewhere where you don't know anyone in kind of the middle of nowhere. And, um, you know, I've kind of been through stages in my life and always had like a a set time of where I like will be in those times and this is the first time I'm going somewhere where I don't know how long it's going to be so that part's a little intimidating too yeah yeah I'm sure yeah um is it so explain the job a little bit kind of what it pertains to um and how it's it's like special to you um because I don't think a lot of people know what that job like hat or what you do with that job so yeah. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people ask, um, is it animal therapy? Like, are you doing therapy to animals? And that's not the case. Um, so it's <laughs> actually, it's kind of described as um, like animal assisted psychotherapy. Um, so essentially, I'll be working in a barn um, with kids and adolescents um, doing therapy, um, but we'll also have a horse handler present. Um, so we're working with horses. Um, in some other cases, um, at this particular facility, they also have alpacas and goats and rabbits. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be horses, but there's been a lot of research in um, how horses um, can basically work with humans in a therapy setting. Um, horses actually have slower heart rates than humans. So just brushing mm-hmm. them and being like touch, being able to touch them or pet them um, lowers your heart rate, um, which calms down anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. So there's just something really incredible about the ways that um, animals can provide a safe space for people that may have never had a safe place around humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really special, I think, in that way. Um, and it's just a growing field right now. So that's that's kind of a little bit about it. Yeah, I love that so much. I feel like there's my sister is super attached, like, or she has become very attached to certain animals, I think, for that kind of reason of like the whole being able to just like it's almost a codependence um I feel like sometimes which she can speak on that more later but um yeah I really love that and you have a bird Tiki um that I've kind that's kind of been like that for you would you say that that Tiki's been like yeah yeah so I I would call it um essentially like a mutual relationship in the sense that Mm -hmm. like we're both benefiting from each other um, mm-hmm. so rather than like a lot of people will look at their pets or animals in general as like we're always giving to them um, mm-hmm. but there's kind of this like you know mutual affection in a sense where we're also receiving from the animals so it's kind of cool because that's really what develops that human animal bond yeah yeah I love that a lot um, did you have any other pets like growing up or anything in the home or no, we did not. So I was that kid that like every, my dad does not like pets in the house. So I was that kid that every like year for Christmas on my Christmas list, I wrote like, I want a cat or dog. Like that was at the top of my Christmas list. Um, so when Tiki, uh, I got Tiki um, when she was three. So she's 13 now, which is kind of wild. Um, but basically I had a friend that I was close with whose parents were going through um a pretty rough divorce and so they had a lot of pets at their home at the time and so we're just needing to find new homes for them um and so that's how I ended up with Tiki somehow my dad okayed it because she was in a cage and I've had her ever since (laughs) that's amazing I love that it's kind of crazy to think like that she has been consistent like I don't know just looking back and thinking like our experiences with her and you and stuff and then just thinking of how much time has gone by and the fact that she's 13 is really crazy to think about like yeah not okay not a lot of people know this but um Kristen Nanny Kenna and I for how many was it just one summer or was it two I can't it was just one summer just one yeah and it was like the best summer we've ever had um we went to the zoo all the time and we got locked out and it was great. Um, lots of quality time with Tiki and yeah, it was a great summer. Um, but okay, another question I have is, um, what did you think your life would look like when you were older? Cause you grew up, you have one sibling, that, is that right? I do, I have an older brother, yeah. An older brother, yes. Um, and so yeah, as a kid, I know you were super into animals, but what would, what was your like hopes and dreams, I guess, for when you grew up? Did you have any plans for school or like jobs or growing a family or whatever? Yeah, um, I definitely thought I was going to be a veterinarian. So I like 
um, this was a couple of years ago, I was looking through like old like school stuff that my parents had kept. And in like fourth grade, I think I had drawn a picture of like me being a veterinarian or whatever. And um, that's originally when I went into um, college with as a pre-vet major, mm-hmm. thinking that's what I was gonna do. Um, and I just, I, I love biology. I'm very much like, a, like I enjoy science and research, but um, the chemistry part did not, sit well with me I just was it wasn't like coming to me um naturally and it wasn't something that I was enjoying it just like was was not you know I'm in college trying to figure things out and this was just like a constant like uphill battle um and so after talking to people after praying about it I actually went to like a career counselor or whatever um Mm -hmm. that's how I ended up changing my degree to psychology with the intent of somehow working with um, humans and animals. And mm-hmm. now now we're here. So it's kind of gone full circle a little bit, um, but this is more, you know, I love being with people just as much as I love being with animals. So it's kind of, I guess, um, a cool way to make that happen. Yeah, that's really cool. What do you feel like, or what experience do you feel like influenced that? Um, the most in the sense of like okay I think I want to do more with more than just animals like I want to do something with people too yeah um I remember it being a difficult decision because I had told myself for so long that I wanted to um be a veterinarian work with animals um and I think some at some point I I looked into um, what kind of jobs were available with like people and animals and again like I said I went to a career counselor and I realized that my biggest um, job like my biggest hesitancy with switching my major at the time um, was like it was a leap of faith I didn't know exactly what I was going to be doing I just knew that um, I ha- actually what I had taken a, a summer psychology class um, as like a gen ed and I realized like oh, this is like, this is like what I'm supposed to be doing is like the brain and people and behavior and like all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, that's kind of how that happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. I like how it just kind of happened more so than just like, like, like you said, a leap of faith, you, you trusted that it was going to work out and that's all you had. And that was okay for what was what the future was so right that's really cool um do you know your Enneagram I'm an Enneagram person yes I am a two okay me too wow I don't think I would have guessed that actually I don't know why but I feel like I would have guessed something more towards like a nine but I don't know um yeah well I'm a two I'm I'm a two wing one so I'm definitely like that's where my more um analytical I guess you know yeah left brain side comes in yeah yeah that's what my mom is I'm a two wing three so I'm I'm more like the well I'm gonna do this because I want to get it like done and maybe if I do this people will like me like that kind of um side of the two but um Anyway, uh, how would you describe your social circle? Um, like, how would I currently describe it? Like, um, how has it changed with the changes in, like, your life, I guess? 
Because right. I know yeah. like yeah. quarantine has a huge effect on that. I know, at least for me, like my mental health has a huge effect on that. Um, the things that I'm like passionate about or like enjoy doing has right. changed with that too, because I think obviously I'm still getting to know myself like as a human um, and that is just constantly changing. So, right. Yeah. yeah. How no, have you seen actually- that change? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because when I was your age, it was very different than what it is now. Um, yeah. When I was in high school, I was very much a giver. Like I only really mm-hmm. gave and I never really like my relationships were very one sided, which at the time I didn't fully realize. But um, I once had a friend tell me like she had told me something super personal. And she's like, so how are you doing? And I was just kind of like, vague, whatever. And she's like, no, part of a friendship is both ways (laughs) Um, it's not just one person giving it all for someone else which I had friends that were um, good friends they just you know when you're growing up you're trying to figure it all out Um, but over time I definitely um, have had to learn what it's like to give and take I think that's something I'm still learning Um, Mm -hmm. even now with moving around a few times I've had to learn that like you know, so you have to be okay with some um, relationships kind of fading away because you can't be the one to constantly reach out and constantly try to be there for someone if they're never doing the same thing. Right. Um, so I've really, I've really learned to, I think, figure out who, you know, those people you can always contact and like things go back to like how they've always been and you never feel like a burden to them. Those people are like really important. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I also think just being able to live in where you're at. When I first moved to Memphis, I struggled a lot with um, like always wanting to kind of be back in college and kind of be mm-hmm. back in those relationships because they like they made a big change in my life. You know, that was a kind of um, monumental time as far as growth and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um learning how to be present and where you're at and really develop those relationships is something that I'm I'm I think have learned and part of moving is also like you kind of got to put more effort in at the beginning too so I think it's kind of you know it's kind of an ebb and flow a little bit um and I think you you learn over time who you know will stay in your life Mm. for the rest of your life and who is just there for a season and both of those things are okay yeah yeah I feel like I've had to let go of the like not everyone is supposed to be here forever like some people are are only meant to be here for this amount of time and they're supposed to serve this purpose in your life and then after that like there's a process of grieving and then there's a process of letting that go um but I feel like that's super hard when like and I say this because I'm experiencing it, not because I know better, um, but as like a high schooler or a teenager, it's like your that part of your brain is still, like I'm still figuring out who I am and my friends mm-hmm. are still figuring out who they are. So it's like this weird process of like, okay, we're still gonna choose each other because we enjoy each other. Um, but what about us, like what, draws us to each other I guess um yeah it's definitely a huge growth and grieving and everything all the above (laughs) Um, right and I really relate to the like uh I feel like this is a two thing but um 
the whole, I'm going to just give, 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 because then they'll love me. And as long as they love me, then I'm fine. I don't need to like get anything in return. Um, so yeah. I relate to that a lot. I struggled with that a lot in middle school. Um, but yeah, were you going to say something? I, so one, I was just going to say, there's a quote, I literally have it on my bulletin board right in front of me, but there's a quote that I've been meditating on lately. Um, I honestly don't know who it's by, so I don't want to like discredit someone, but um, it says uh, growth will also feel a lot like loss. Mm. Um, and that's something that, you know, we like the feeling of loss and grieving, like you mentioned, is a natural part of life. And it's not just when someone dies or, or whatever, mm. like um, it's a really hard part of life but growing also means you are leaving things behind and so being okay with both of those things is really difficult but it's also really healthy to know that both of those exist during that time of change mm -hmm. yeah I really like that there's uh my favorite quote about growth it's I also can't remember who it's by but it's like um the world doesn't need more women who know how to do their hair and needs women who know how to do hard and holy things. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that goes along sort of the same lines of like, I've learned, especially in the last year that like life is always going to be bittersweet. There's always going to be mm -hmm. hard with the good. There's always going to be like rain with the sunshine, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, and it's hard to like process, um, but I feel like there's always, like, I don't know, I just feel so much more um, good about it when I think about the growth side of like, okay, what's gonna come out of this that mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had if I wouldn't have gone through the horrible things or hard things or whatever. So right. yeah, I really like that quote. Um, I wanted to know about your experience in Ukraine because um, it's obviously super like, how do you call that? Recent, I guess, um, mm -hmm. in all of the news and society, culture and everything that's happening. Um, so you can really just say what you want. You don't have to say like things that you don't want to, just whatever you feel like you want to say, I would love to hear yeah. and I'm sure other people would too. Yeah. Um, so kind of, I guess, a little bit of backstory. When I was um, a junior in college, uh, so back in 2016, um, I studied abroad in Lithuania, um, which those who are not familiar with Eastern Europe is um, just so it's Ukraine, uh, Belarus, and then Lithuania. So it's just a couple countries above Ukraine. And um, there's a lot of commonality in Eastern Europe when it comes to World War II and uh, Soviet Union occupation. Um, so these countries, um, I mean, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Ukraine, Poland, like they were all occupied by the Soviet Union up until the early 90s. So honestly, mm -hmm. not that long ago. Um, and during this period of time, um, essentially, the Soviet Union said, you know, you can't have your culture, um, you have to speak Russian, you have to only watch Russian TV, only listen to Russian news, um, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's like just a very big part of their culture and that like they're trying to reestablish who they are and, you know, kind of embrace that independence because it's something that they haven't had for a, a really long time. 
Um, and so I think when the, the war broke out um, and Russia invaded Ukraine, it was very, it felt very personal. Um, you know, Lithuania, I consider, in Eastern Europe, I consider to be um, a home of sorts because I, even though I was only there for four months, um, it meant a lot to me being there. And it was the first time I had been out of the country and all that kind of stuff. So I think the, the yeah, the invasion just felt very personal and devastating I think you know there it felt like we were reliving a lot of World War II um, and it just felt very very um, I guess senseless in a way like why mm -hmm. are we why is this happening um, mm -hmm. why are so many people being killed and I mean you look at the numbers of refugees like it's like something like four million now um, and I also have a uh, someone who was my roommate when I lived in Lithuania, she is Ukrainian. Um, and even though she's not living there now, she lives in Poland. Um, you know, any Ukrainian you talk to is, is beside themselves. Um, and she even told me a couple of days ago that she's just getting to the point where she can get out of the house and do things because she's had such bad, like PTSD symptoms from everything going on. Cause how, I mean, how do you not? <laughs> Right. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm very much a humanitarian and seeing so many people hurting and for what seems like no reason at all, um, I just think is, is hard. And so mm -hmm. one of the biggest things talking to multiple people that are Ukrainian, one of the biggest things they've said is, you know, like continue spreading um, like the truth, because one thing that Russia is really good at is pro propaganda. Um, and so, you know, their government will continue to do that, something they've always done. Um, but being able to say this is what's really happening um, when it comes to media, you know, things go in waves. I mean, we've we see it all the time. Something major happens, a big horrific thing happens. And then, you know, a few weeks later, it's no longer on anyone's mind. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to be consistent with knowing, you know, the war is still going on and um, people are still hurting. There's still people that are being um, like deported from Ukraine to Russia. There's still people trying to find homes, places to live. Um, and you don't ever recover for something like that. And so they need even more support along the way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I think, I think knowing, it has been very personal, um, mm -hmm. despite feeling very removed from it at the same time. Um, but then also just trying to support um, people that are from Ukraine as much as possible because they are hurting beyond belief right now to see your country being like totally destroyed and people dying. Um, it's hard. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like you do such a good job at... Um being sensitive like for how personal it is to you um I feel like I value a lot of your like you're not insensitive to any of the experiences that these people are having and um I don't know I feel like that's super like you said like humanitarian but in the best way because then you're not negating people's experiences or even their feelings um or perspectives from 
yeah, what's happening to them. Um, it's like an advocacy that's way more thought out and sought out than um, just regular, like, I'm just gonna repost this on Instagram because it's what everyone's doing. Like, right. yeah, I really, I really value that about you. Um, well, thank you. I think yeah. one thing, I think when we look at, you know, just minority voices in general, people always say, oh, well, you got to speak up for the voiceless. And, you know, people have voices. <laughs> um, yeah. It's how are we elevating those voices so that they're heard? Because um, we don't always have to be the one to speak. Sometimes we just need to be the one to move aside so someone else can be heard. Yeah, that is so good. I love that. And I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, you feel like you're right when you're saying that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to speak up because these people don't have a voice. It's like, you can feel super right and like super, uh, I don't know, ethical about it. Like it can feel good. And then it's just like the whole perspective thing. You just have to have perspective of like, no, they have voices. Right. Um, you just have a bigger platform or maybe like a bigger advantage than they do um and so now it's like you have to use that um yeah which so. is hard but yes <laughs> it is it is it's all of it is super yeah like you said personal and there's so much grief but also like perspective that ha has to be a part of it um yeah it's it's a big a long process and um I feel like it's best to do with other people so oh okay I want to talk about this because I feel like we both have um a certain amount of connection over this I guess I don't know um okay. the question was how has your mental health journey changed your perception um of the church or I guess it could it doesn't have to be the church it can be whatever you feel like your mental health journey has changed your perception of. Um, I feel yeah. like I, human rights has been a huge like perception change with my own mental health um, in the sense that not only am I just more aware, but like I've been made aware like by the things that I've felt or experienced um, pertaining to mental health. Um, and also the disadvantages that other people have um, experiencing those same things, um, but in their own lives. Um, so, yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that, I mean, I have a lot of privilege when it comes to my own mental health journey um, because of how supportive my parents and the people around me have been. Um, as well as just like having the resources to be able to do what I need to do type of thing, um, mm -hmm. whether that's therapy or medication um, or whatever, uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, I've been very grateful for, you know, I started on um, antidepressants when I was 17 and have been on like a journey with that um, now. And like you have, that's in and of itself its own journey, but I think, you know, we never really know what someone is going through. And I think that that's something that we say a lot, but don't necessarily take to heart um, mm -hmm. because we always, we always are one to 
react and not respond um in the sense that like we something as simple as like someone saying something rude to us or whatever and we're always like oh like they're such a terrible person or like whatever we're thinking where you know we all have those days when we're mm-hmm. not in the mood to be around people or whatever um yeah. and so I think that's one thing is looking at like okay where is this person coming from um I'm also I would say I'm also an optimist so like that's helpful in that kind of mm-hmm. situation yeah um, for sure but I have realized in my own life how much I have put on um, a facade in so many different ways that how do I know that other people are or not doing the same thing um, so really I mean empathy I think you mentioned like that, that's kind of a two thing as far as like just having a lot of empathy and um, being able to put yourself into someone else's shoes um, mm-hmm. my own mental health journey has I think aided me a lot in that and actually being able to understand that a little bit better. Um, I would say too, and like over time, I have figured out what works or what doesn't work for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I think kind of going back to your original question in the sense of like looking at uh, the church, it's it's kind of like a, I don't know, um, two sides, I guess, to the same coin. And in a sense, we're like, the church or growing up you hear a lot of like oh well you just gotta like have more faith or pray harder or um all that kind of bs in my opinion um yeah but at the same time at the same time i i had a period where i had to work on sundays and so i wasn't able to go to church and that messed me up a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and i don't i don't think that was because of like indoctrination as much as it was because like I realized that there's something very um, important in my own life to being in a sacred space with other people that are there for the same reason. Um, Mm -hmm. Once a week or even not once a week, but having a space for that um, intention and yeah, intentionality, I would say um, is something that I realized I also need for my mental health. So it kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of hard when you have to balance it but I think going off of that learning that balance um in your own life as well as like in the world what you can take in so um (laughs) like I do mental health as a job like as a career Mm -hmm. I work with people's stories and traumas and um that can be really heavy sometimes um yeah and being able to take care of yourself can be really hard. Um, so burnout is like really real, um, the yeah. mental health field. Um, but knowing like, okay, I have to step away right now. And in order to continue this advocacy work and this supporting of people in all of these different hard ways, like I also need time where I can um, focus on myself in order to be able to do those things. So like, mm-hmm that perspective of like what is the balance what can I take on versus what do I have to say no to which can be really hard um but it's not about it's not about walking away right it's just like taking a step back for a period of time so that you can continue to do that work and I think keeping that in mind is really important because we're not made to do these hard things 
nonstop, um, you know, right. and that, that includes human rights and all that kind of stuff. I think um, there's this misconception that just because you're taking a break means you don't care. And that's just not true. A break is necessary in order to continue to care. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I feel like the whole, like I remember being in therapy as a kid um, for anxiety and and from age like, I don't know, eight or nine till I'm still in therapy now. But um, I remember the beginning days of therapy going through therapist after therapist after therapist because every single one of them told me to read my Bible and pray and that doesn't, that didn't work. Um, now, not that that's not, important or like doesn't work I mean it works for some people um but psychologically it didn't work for me (laughs) um and that's I don't know I feel like you can have a spiritual side of healing and also a psychological side of healing um and the church has a big part in that and I I know I've been let down by that um but Mm -hmm. I feel like the work is super important because the more you're aware like the more the less you're run by it blindly um yeah yeah so I I think all of what you said is like super valid um and yeah just really good so thank you yeah I would say it's a it's a constant journey you know we we always Mm -hmm. will have things wrong along the way but we're all just figuring it out and also you know, keeping that in mind when we think about ourselves and other people and um, grace is super important. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I struggle with that the most for myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like I never have grace for myself, but we're getting there. It's such a journey. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, but it helps when you can relate to other people because then you're like, okay, if they can do it, <laughs> like if they're... Um, doing it and showing me the ropes or like showing me what is possible and it feels much more tangible um but yeah okay um my next question was um how did living in Kenosha um sort of or vice versa living in the places that you have um how did those places change um where you lived in the sense I don't know if that makes sense. Like um, growing up in Kenosha, did that, because you didn't move, did that make you want to move? Is that why you moved? Or was it more like um, you felt like you wanted different perspective um, in where you lived? Or was it more based on what you, like the school or um, work that you were doing? Uh, Yeah, just a little bit about like why, where you've moved and uh, which I know you kind of already touched on, but more so the cause behind that yeah no that makes sense I would say that everything has kind of happened like pretty naturally as far as um like being in Kenosha um my I mean my parents just didn't move so that was kind of Mm -hmm. you know um and I knew that I did not want to stay near home when I went to college um so but I, because of where my dad worked at the time, I had to go to a Christian school. Um, mm. So I didn't want to be too far from home. So I basically only looked in the Midwest um, and I ended up in Indiana. Um, 
and then when I started looking for another job, when I started, when I graduated college, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go straight to grad school or just work. Um, but I decided I didn't want to go just to school because it's like what I knew and what was easiest. Um, but I had already been looking at the University of Tennessee as a possibility. So I kind of like just applied to jobs in Tennessee um, and happened to end up in Memphis. Um, and then when I felt like I was ready to go to grad school, ended up at University of Tennessee um, in Knoxville. And then um, I basically, my favorite part about being in East Tennessee has been to be by the Smoky Mountains. I love the mountains, mm. um, which, you know, you don't grow up with when you're in the Midwest. And so, um, yeah, I basically just was like, I want to go by where there's mountains, but I feel like I've gotten a good idea of what being in the South is like. So I also want to experience um, another part of the U.S. And so Colorado is where I was looking. So that's kind of how th those have happened. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you mentioned your family a little bit. How would you explain your family dynamic and sort of like how you fit into that dynamic? Because you're the youngest, you have an older brother and then you, right? Yeah. And then your yeah. parents. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say, I don't know. It's kind of weird because I, I have a closer relationship with my parents than my brother does just because mm -hmm. of how things have happened. Um, but my brother still lives in Kenosha. So it's kind of weird because my mom will tell me like, oh, we like, we probably hear more from you than we do from him type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I've always played, I've always been a little more like unashamed, I guess, <laughs> um, as far as like, I kind of am open with my parents and do what I do, whether or not they approve with it. <laughs> like, I remember being super open about when I first got my, uh, like my first tattoo and like my dad didn't want anything to do with it but I wasn't like hiding it I was just kind of like this is what I'm doing you have to live with yeah. it so yeah um but I've always been very much like a mediator in my family too um mm -hmm. as far as like I'll stand up for like if people are arguing I'll usually try and like be in the middle as far as like try to understand the other person's perspective or yeah um just with how family dynamics are um that's definitely been more of my role. I'm just a little more out there. And my mom will always say like, I'm a free spirit. That's why I kind of go mm -hmm. places or whatever. Um, so I think I just have been, yeah, I think unashamed is probably the best way to say that in my family um, Yeah. out of all of us. Yeah, that's really cool. I feel like it's interesting to ask other twos that because I feel like you can either be the mediator and like sort of, more personable um or it's the other way around where it feels like you're like trying to take on everyone else's mm. um I don't know positions or like uh responsibilities yeah. um so yeah who do you feel like has been um like super influential um in your mental health journey and also just like self-awareness um in just your life in general yeah um you can name people or you don't have to but yeah um 
honestly, your mom has been one of those people for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she just happened to be in my life when I needed her at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so kind of in high school. And then um, I would say, I don't know, I've had like different mentors along the way. I think there's, there's something for me that has been really beneficial about having some kind of older woman or like older than me I don't mean like old but like older than me right right experienced a little bit more of life but also like on a spiritual level just because I think faith can be so confusing sometimes especially Mm -hmm. in how that can relate to life um that having someone that I can just kind of go and talk to or express feelings with or whatever in those situations for sure um has been very helpful along the way especially since I've been um more on my own as well um so and like I have a good relationship with my mom too um but I think that there's something about having like a relationship with a woman who has had more experience than you um just as like a I mean a mentor is the best way to say it there's just yeah that has been very helpful for me and I think all of those people that have played that role have um, impacted me in different ways but really supported me during those times in my life when I needed them yeah yeah that's really cool I feel same way I'm like I feel like I've been there there is definitely something about a I guess you'd say mentor. I want to say non-maternal figure, but at the same time, it almost is maternal because of the way that they're still like consistent, I guess. Right, um, yeah. So it is kind of hard to explain, but it's it's super valuable. Um, and I'm, yeah, I love that. Um, okay, I had one last question and that okay. was, um, what experience um, influenced who you are today the most um, drastically? Um, it's a hard question because it's like super loaded yeah um yeah it's I guess it's hard because like we there's like always different um things that mean more to us than one you know one point than they do at other points but um I think in when I was in high school which I don't know actually I don't know if you this I'm you know this I'm sure you probably do but so I attempted suicide when I was 17 in high school um and up to that point I had basically been faking it been acting like everything was fine been good whatever um and it kind of was one of those things where it forced me to put everything out on the table um Mm -hmm. and from that point I feel like that I mean that was literally like my rock bottom obviously below rock bottom I guess um Mm -hmm. and so I feel like since that period of time um I mean it's been a lot of ups and downs but like I have seen I was just talking to my therapist about this the other day of like thinking about how much like I have grown in those 10 almost 10 years now since that Mm -hmm. happened um is like you couldn't even like chart it like it's so just like so in so many different ways so many different aspects of life all that kind of stuff um and I think it has also encouraged me to continue putting myself 
outside of my comfort zone because Mm -hmm. ultimately at that point in my in my life like being honest and truthful and and vulnerable honestly vulnerable vulnerable um was so outside of my comfort zone and yet it also became what I needed to become who I am now so I think that idea of like knowing that so much growth can come from going outside of your comfort zone which is scary and Mm -hmm. intimidating and a lot of uncertainty comes with that but like just knowing that has been something that has influenced me throughout my life since that happened yeah that makes sense and I feel like or I know I relate to that in the sense that when when you're like at that point where you almost I don't know how to explain it except for like what you said about vulnerability what is most uncomfortable to you you get to a point where you like there's no other choice but to step into that I think Mm -hmm. um and then realizing that that's just what needed to happen or that's what um can change the trajectory of a lot of things Mm -hmm. it's like super hard to assess or like even put together because like you said it's just like so there's no timeline there's no consistency it's super uncertain um Mm -hmm. and there's also just so many different things that play into it Mm -hmm. um my therapist tells me all the time she's like I'm very like I like to have answers I like to know how to fix things I like to do it and then I like to like be done with it um and she has to remind me all the time that like sometimes you don't know why things are happening and sometimes that's okay (laughs) like sometimes you don't need to know what's why things are happening or what's causing like you to feel certain ways or you know that sort of thing and I feel like it all ties together to like what growth is um because there literally is no like consistent line or like um timeline or yeah you can't put it all in a box because it's just so scattered um right so yeah I I think it's really cool how you explain that because I feel like a lot of people can relate to that um can I speak to something you just said as far as like being able to fix things I would think um I definitely relate to that as far as that goes but I think you know the idea of control like being able to control things um and like, no, like there's not uncertainty in that because you know what's going to happen. You're able to kind of box it up nicely. Right. Um, and so I found that in those seasons of life, when things seem so uncertain and so out of your control, like finding things that you can control in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so like something as simple, like in like even just this last semester when I was in school, Um, so much was uncertain and a little bit all over the place that, um, like my two things that I could like, felt like I could control was going to the gym and like cooking my own meals. And so like Mm. being super consistent with those things, knowing I can make that choice and I can do that. Like, even when everything else around me may seem like crazy and uncertain, like having that stability, it doesn't necessarily have to be in like what you're worried about or whatever but like at least in something that you can like kind of cling to while you're going through all the other uncertainty yeah yeah 
that's super encouraging. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely like there's newness all the time. Like uh, it's just hard to explain because it's it can feel uh, what's the word. I want to say inconsistent again, but really it can feel unknown, I guess. Um, and that can be one of the scariest things I know personally of like, well, I don't know what to do or I don't know what's coming next. I don't know how this person is going to react. I don't know, like, et cetera. Right. Um, but you're right. There is certain like comfort or like consistency in feeling like, okay, well, I can do this, like knowing your own capabilities right. um, in the midst of like what is you feel like is uncapable, I guess. But yeah, um, thank you. Thank you.